Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, what's going on, man? Oh, man. I'm, 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 I'm excited. I'm full from Thanksgiving. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm excited about our guest tonight as well, you know. We're yeah. going to talk about some stuff tonight. Oh, man, are we? Are we? There. Are we? Yes, we're going to have a good time. You know what, Brian? Tonight is a night uh, we're going to talk about changes and being changed and transformed and coming out of the gutter. Well, not so much the gutter, but coming out of the valley. You, you've heard people talk about the valley, I'm sure, Brian. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I've, I've had some friends that were, were, were out there stuck in the world and didn't know how to come back in. They never thought that their life could be changed. But tonight, but tonight. We're gonna we're gonna have fun. I can't I can't wait till we introduce uh, our special guest. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, Brian, you growing up in the city of, of Miami, mm-hmm. uh, down in uh, down south in Florida, and I know you've seen some the streets and the violence and the things that go that's going on on the streets. Oh, what was yeah. that like? You know, growing up seeing that. And you know, firsthand experience on you know drug use, drug selling, murder. Um, fighting, stealing, killing—you know—I've seen just about everything down there. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it—it it wasn't necessarily easy to to beat the streets, you know, because when when you grow up and that's all you see and that's all you know, you have a tendency uh, to adapt to your surroundings yes. versus you know fight against it. And I was always of the type. I was always, you know, I, I won't call—I won't say that I was different than everybody else Mm -hmm. but I was just like a peculiar kid because you know unlike most of my friends that I grew up with you know they didn't really care about school they went to school to have fun you know (laughs) and you know I won't say all of them are like that well some of them were Mm -hmm. you know but they weren't they really weren't thinking about you know going home and reading a book right you know I used to go home and read for like an hour two hours just because I wanted to not because I had homework or anything else. That's just what I used to do. Because I always said, I'm going to be better than what everybody else says I'm going to be. You know, I can recall a time when I was young, and I told this man I wanted to be rich and famous. And he said, what are you going to do, sell drugs? Mm. You going to sell dope? That's how you going to get out of the hood? He said, ain't nobody getting out the hood. The only way you're getting out the hood, you sell dope or you just leave. But you're going to still be in the hood because wherever you go, it's going to be a hood. Wow. You know, I mean, and hearing that, I think I was about 9 or 10 years old. And I told him, I said, nope, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to get a scholarship. And back then when I was young, I used to say I always wanted to go to either Florida State or Miami. You know, and he said, you'll never go to University of Miami. You'll never get there. You'll never get there. And I kept telling him, I'm going to get a scholarship. I'm going to get a scholarship. You know, and, and even though I didn't get the scholarship I wanted, I had a partial, and yes. I couldn't afford the rest. But yes, you know, yes, yes. but the fact, the, uh, the fact, you know, the most important part about all of that, Brian, is that you made the choice to believe that that could happen. Exactly. Yes. You know, you have people out on the streets, or people that are hooked on drugs, or people that are dealing in drugs, and they feel that this is the only opportunity that they have, and that's not true. Yeah. So I, I, I ask you the question, Brian, is it what you believe? Is that the most important thing? You know, I think it is. I think, I, well, I don't think it's the most important thing, mm-hmm. but I think it's the beginning of, you know, the rest of your life. It's all about what you, it's all about the choice. And, you know, we talk about choices all the time on the yeah, show. Yeah. It's all about the choice that you make. Mm. Once you believe that you have a choice, you know, see, that's the thing. You have to believe that you have a choice, and then you have to make that choice. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Brian, I'm ready for our guest. I am, too. I am, too. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring him on, man. Let's bring him on. All right. Today's guest, tonight's guest, is Mr. Anthony Banks. And are you there, sir? Yes, I am. How are you doing today, Brian? Good, good. 
Yeah. Welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Well, yeah. Tell yeah. everybody a little bit about you, but I want you to tell us. Tell us your story. Well, I mean, my my story uh, begins uh, uh, as as you may you know have read some information. Uh, not really. I was listening to you, and uh, not so much on the street. I mean, I'm a product of a military family, and so I traveled around a whole lot when I was was young. Um, you know, raised up uh, in, a, in a decent household. Everything was pretty much provided that we needed. Uh, but, you know, along the way, you get to the point where you start deciding, uh, as you were talking about, to make those choices. And, uh, you know, I, I found out that I was really allowing people to make choices for me and uh, not choosing for myself. Typical thing that happens uh, with youth, you know, just persuaded by people around you and uh, people who you uh, perceive to be, you know, uh, um, um, people who are going somewhere because of the things that they have and and uh, kind of got caught up in that, that type of mentality and allowed people to make choices for me. And a lot of those choices just led down dead-end roads, man, you know. And uh, I found myself in uh, coming from being uh, someone moving from Europe uh, over here to uh, Georgia. Uh, my dad's last duty station was Korea, and my mom pretty much decided we weren't traveling anymore with him. And so we were, came from the military family to here, and we got here in the middle of uh, racial tension in, in, in Georgia, and, and that was foreign to me uh, because on a military basis you really didn't feel the impact of all of that. So I think, you know, in, in part for my life, at, at that period of my life, uh, I was a little confused about the whole black and, and white issues. You know, and I heard what you said about, you know, this guy telling you, uh, asking you where you're going to sell drugs to get uh, out of the hood. I really had no concept that there was a need to get out of the hood. Wow. When I when I got here, I mean, I, I it wasn't it was foreign to me because we didn't we didn't live in you know in an environment where uh, the racial tension and it wasn't that we didn't weren't fully aware, but I mean there was there was definitely nothing that impacted our lives directly. Um, you know, up until about the up until the fifth grade, you know, my best friends were white or Hispanic mm-hmm. or Hawaiian, you know, so I, right. and, and, and so, you know, I, I kind of grew up in that environment, but moving here uh, to it, to Atlanta, I mean, you know, it just came about where people uh, start putting more pressure on you because you spoke a little differently, and uh, it had to do with, you know, not being in the South, you know, you come from uh, military schools, you speak proper, and everybody says, well, you know, you're talking proper, so that's wrong, <laughs> you need to change right. your the way you talk if you're going to be with us. And, and just feeling that pressure, man, and, and uh, you know, making some choices and decisions uh, to begin even altering the way that I spoke. And, you know, I heard you talk about, you know, you reading the books and things like, that I normally did uh, because I wanted to. I changed because other people wanted me to. Uh. And it's the same thing that, you know, that I, that I think that our, our youth get into now. I mean, it's it's the same type of, Thing, the need to, to, to feel apart by, by adjusting yourself from the standards that you have set or that have been imparted in you from your you know through your your, your family uh, to, to change into somebody who you're not you know in, in order to fit in and, and that happened to me and, and, and got into the uh, to the drugs and uh, you know just misbehaving at a, at a, at a young age uh, ended up going to uh, the youth development center. Uh, here in Georgia, and uh, uh, Ford was riding a mini bike with the guys, stole a mini bike, and I decided I'm going to go ride with him. You know, another bad choice, you know, to stay out of school and go for a ride. And uh, you know, I think my mom at that point kind of said, you know what, you know, he needs to learn a lesson now and uh, catch him now. And and uh, you know, went through that situation, man, and, and really stayed out of trouble for a while and did some different things, trying to you know, going into the military and things like that. But you know, I think my uh, coming away from the military, I kind of felt above the law a little bit, and like somebody owed me something. So, I think I just took a wrong approach in getting back acclimated to just the normal, you know, living outside of the the, the military, and and uh, I started really getting into some some troubles uh, with dealing with drugs and and that type thing, man, in the streets, and and you know, I can tell you, it, it was a it was a whole a, a, a whole lot different to me. Uh, living here in Atlanta, man, in the city, 
uh, than it was all those years that I spent as a child. And I and 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 I, I understand clearly uh, sometimes uh, the bad choices that you know that our that our youth are making. Man, I I understand them making the choices uh, based on the pressure that's put on them. But you know, I try to encourage a man. It, it, it's not worth what you end up paying. Yeah. You know, the, the the price that you end up paying. Uh, on your life and on your potential uh, that you have, man, it's just not worth it. Yes, and you know what, uh, Mr. Banks, I, I, Brian and I, we go into the, the the detention centers and jails and prisons, and we speak all the time. And I think one of the things that children uh, or our teenagers or, or sometimes even adults they don't really understand the consequences that. And when I say that, it what I mean is they don't really understand how many other people are being affected by what they do and and the decisions that they make. Sure. I think once you you know once they they know that okay my mom is hurting my everybody in the circle that loves you is affected by sure. a, a, a choice that you've made. Sure. I mean you're you're absolutely right. I I think you know this whole idea of being changed. You know it's something that we do for 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 our ministry, but you know outside of all of that. Uh, you know, being changed for life. You know, it's it's, uh, it's something that uh, is just in me, um, and and it brought change to my life. You know, to to realize that being changed for life is about recognizing that 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 there was a need for change in my life. And I think you know sometimes uh, we kind of hit at the youth. Um, you know, and I, I've been in the detention centers, and and we go in really to try to uh, give the youth a whole other perspective. They've got enough things against them already and so we go in to try to give them solutions you know and I, and I like the way the the program comes on you know it's it's about solutions if we can provide them with some solutions i believe that we'll get some production out of them you know yes um and a lot of times i think that we we tell them what they already know you know they already know who they are where they are uh but they need some solutions you know it's a, some realistic ones uh, uh that they can you know set some goals upon and 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 uh, start working on, but you know the whole idea of of being changed for life is that is, is that it is about uh, recognizing that there's a need for change, and and not only that, but also that uh, with that change that you have something to add to your surroundings. You know, it, it, it's um, uh, no matter where I am, you know, in dealing with young people, I make sure that they leave understanding that they have something to give to society. You know, they have something to give to their family because you're, you're right. I mean, I worked for Teen Challenge for a number of years, and, and I can tell you that um, the youth that I ran into, um, they their families uh, a lot of times are just as addicted as they are, not on drugs, but to the fact that their child is addicted and they become enablers uh, in that situation. And, and, and everybody has to evaluate themselves, not just the person who is caught up in a situation, whether it's incarceration or you know, drug addiction, but the people around them also have to evaluate how they're uh, imprinting that person's life as well because sometimes what looks like help uh, is really assisting them to continue, yeah. you know, in, in that thing. And, and uh, you know, and, and it, takes a real, it takes a real hard look. Um, but but there's, a, there's a quality choice to live, um, you know, that, that, I, that I believe that individuals just have to make, man. And I think our youth especially uh, – Instead of trying to be 70% of yourself and 30% of the crew you hang with, or you know 70, you know 70% of a relationship and 30% of, of yourself, they need to just become 100% of who they are, so that they're at 100% of their own capacity, um, and then choices will be easier to make. Yes. You know, and and I, and I tell you know a lot of uh, uh, single individuals that because um, for me, getting involved with with drugs. Um, if there weren't any signs, clear signs that my mother could have gotten, uh, because she didn't use drugs, you, you know what I mean. And, and it's almost sometimes even with trying to uh, find indicators, it's difficult for a parent uh, or you know a minister or uh, even someone that works in the government to really understand. Uh, what to look for in an individual if you have not had some experience that way, you know. And 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 I think that you know a lot of times that it. Uh, my mother didn't know I was using drugs until um, I told her, and that was you know actually after I had stopped, you know. And and but there there are some things that I think that that definitely would 
positively affects, um, you know, uh, a, a parent's ability to uh, get some, some, some answers from the children if they suspect that they may be, um, uh, you know, using drugs. Uh, and, and I think that, that you know, number, the, the first thing I think would be is that they, they need to make sure that they are not in a position where they're enabling uh, a child to do what they do. And, and I say that in part uh, just, just because I think that sometimes, like in my house, I have I got five boys and five girls, but not in the house with me now. I've got uh, four of them in the house with me now. Uh, right, right. But my 16-year-old, my for instance, there's, there's no private room in my house. You, you know, I can. There, there's no room that I can't go in, in my house. You know, and, and a lot of times I think if a child, uh, my experience is that if they're left to have a room that cannot be entered by a parent, uh, there's a lot more that goes on in that room than a parent will ever know. Yeah. You know what I mean? And 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 so there isn't there isn't the, the, you know the whole idea that there is privacy. I mean, I, I don't know you know exactly how you guys grew up, but I know for myself, um, <laughs> uh, your privacy was limited. <laughs> yes. to, to mama's or daddy's decision to come in there, <laughs> you know, and and so and I think you know to to a degree we need to get back to some of that. Uh, um, I don't think our youth have gotten the way that they are uh, just because they decided to. I, I think that you know uh, we have to seriously look at ourselves, and um, uh, because now the real, realistically, I mean, we're trying to legislate a whole lot of things. I think. Uh, Concerning them, you know, I mean, I was listening to an issue the other week on the, you know, boys pulling up their pants, and you know, now they're trying to make laws, you know, and and I and I really thought back to the seventies. I mean, I'm I lived in the seventies, in the uh, so I thought back to that time when, and in fact, we used to wear our pants like the boys wear them now, and nobody ever talks about that. I mean, it was they were straight leg pants, but we still, you know. If the really cool guys, you know, they wore them down like that. And and so it's not a new thing. It's actually an old thing that they think is new. Uh, but we shy away from it because no one wants to say I was a part of that kind of culture. Right. You know what I mean? And sometimes all the kids really need is for us to say, you know what, I was a part of that culture, but let me tell you, it went nowhere, and I see it going the same place with you. You know, a lot of times they need that because they're, they're dealing with with, real, with with realness every day. I mean, everything on television is reality show, reality show, and I believe in just keeping it real with them, man. And and uh, based on the experiences that I've had in my life, um, you know, dealing with certain things with drugs and things, I keep it really real with my own children. Though my youngest child um, knows what my experiences have been, um, and 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 you know, I'm not just trying to just show them. Uh, the positive side that you see the daddy now, you know, but I, I need for them to understand that there was negative and there were consequences with those things as early as I possibly can because they're going to get answers from you or they're going to get them from school or they're going to get them from the Internet or from television anyway. Right. So we might as well be, you know, as forthright as we can when, when we um, see that they are, you know, ready and prepared to, to receive information. We need to give it to them uh, before somebody else does. Yes. You know, here's the thing that that really intrigues me about, you know, because even, even when I was young, I, was, I fell victim to it as well. Why is it so important for us to, you know, make our peers happier? You know what I mean? Why, that, why is it so important for us to fit in among our peers when they're doing the wrong thing? Well, I, I think you know. I think when if we don't perceive it as as wrong, well, my my sixteen year old um, got into a situation in, in school uh, the other a few weeks ago, and you know he defended himself. A kid came at him with a knife, and you know he disarmed the kid, took the knife, and took it to the teacher. You know it it was the right thing for him to do in that situation, and and uh, you know he he went to try to. Uh, later on, as they were kind of checking this thing out, you know, he went to see about some of the kids who were in his class if they would uh, stand up, you know, for him uh, and and at least say to the um, resource officer that they saw what happened. Now you're in an open gymnasium; somebody saw what happened, but all of them, to a one, uh, said no, they didn't see anything, you know. And and so now he he's expected to uh, be back amongst them, trying to do the right thing. You know, and and of course get picked up by them, 
and stated that what he did right was wrong. You know what I mean? And, and so I, I know that he has to deal with the pressure of, do I do the right thing the next time? <laughs> you know, or do I cave in to the, to the pressure that's on me uh, to just let it ride and, and not do the right thing or, or, or find myself getting into a fight because, you know, taking it to the teacher made my peers, who, who I spend the majority of my time with at school, um, look at me in a different light. I mean, I know he has to deal with that type of pressure, so I have to and have had to cut that off and go ahead and get, cut the chase with him and let him know, hey, this is what's going to go down. You know, you can expect this, this, and this. And by the way, those who didn't want to side with you, they're, they're really sending you a message that they're not with you. Yeah. You know, so that he clearly understands that, you know, people who he may call his friends, in a time when you're trying to do righteous, the, the right things, um, and, and people say they saw nothing, I mean, it's a clear uh, lesson point for me, for my son. Um, you know, and, and uh, you know, and, and, and so, I, I mean, it's, I, I don't think sometimes I think the kids uh, cave in because uh, perhaps the parent does not always show them that, hey, what you did was right in that situation. And and uh, and then stand with them on that. You know, I, I spent a lot of time at, at the school with him around this situation just to make sure he understood that I'm there with you. You know, and not only just my son, I the other individual that was uh, involved. You know, I spoke with his mother and, and uh, told her that I would be interested in you know mentoring her son. And he was a you know a kid that had a knife to my kid's neck. You know, and but that's just um, you know uh, where my heart is. Right. Um, I, I just believe that our youth. If they have the right influences, and, and obviously this this um, uh, kid's uh, you know father is not really in his life, so and I I recognize that without having to be told because mom has been there for every meeting, um, so you know I, I feel like he maybe needs a male role model there or a male, and I'm not so stuck on myself that I would not lend myself to that young man. Uh, even though I could have taken the position where he tried to harm my son. You understand? Right. So yeah. so it just keeps us open. I think we have to really pay attention to what's happening uh, with our children and because sometimes I think we can become too too much, well, that's my child, and we forget to look at the other child's situation and, and see that perhaps that child may need my help. Yeah. You know, because you know, the bottom line is we're trying to keep him out of trouble, we're trying to keep him out of, out of jail, we're trying to keep him out of prison, and we're trying to keep him you know, to, to, to alive, to, to live out their life, you know, and their purpose and destiny. You know, it's one thing that you said that was really important. It's about influence. Sure. You know, but the thing I the thing that really struck me was, do you think that this kid, because I'm sure he knew who you are, and, you know, he knows, you know, your son, of course, because he's in school with him, so do you think it might have been like a cry for help in some kind of way? Well, sure I do. His his mother, the first meeting that we had, his mother, in fact, um, said that, you know, she said, my son has really been trying to find himself lately. That That's what the first thing that moved on me. And, and then after that, she said, you know, I, I had to get a hold to him. She said, imagine me having to whip my 15-year-old. You know, here's a, here's a, a woman, uh, not very big in stature, uh, having to whip her 15-year-old son, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and you know, my heart went out, man. I, I, I um, recognized that if his, you know, if, 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 if father was there, uh, then he probably could have handled that, or, or maybe we wouldn't even have had that scenario, you know what I mean? And, and, and so, uh, and that, was, that, that played into my whole uh, role of saying to her, hey, you know, um, call me, I'll be willing to talk to him or whatever, because at that moment all I saw was a kid who was saying, you know what, I need somebody, you know, and uh, and it's not always about, you know, I, I believe in the whole, it takes a, you know, it, it takes a, a community, you know what I mean, to, to raise a child, and I don't just take that as being my child, but everyone that's in the community, you know, I believe that it's, it's necessary for for us to, you know, always have our, our hearts uh, reached out um, to people, man, uh, especially our youth, man, you know, it's, it's uh, uh, they've got so much against them, um, you know, already, and, and uh, uh, so, you know, I, I think that I was, um, I had alluded to earlier about the, the, the legislation they were doing about the the pants pulling up thing, too, you know, and mm-hmm. it, it's just a struggle, man, to recognize that, it, I mean, it's just a phase. Right. Uh, the kids think it'll last forever, you know what I mean, and so I think they tend to uh, lean toward that because they see that as 
the thing to do, you know. And 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 the bottom line is, it's a it's a quiet peer pressure. Uh, no other kid has to tell a kid to do it. It's like an automatic thing, you know. Uh, but it is a quiet peer pressure, and um, I think we just have to um, talk to our kids. You know what I mean, and make sure they understand uh, the culture behind what they're doing. Right. You know, and if they don't understand the culture, then they'll do it thinking it's right. That's you right. know, um, right. but but if we and and we have to be armed with information in order to do that. Man, that's my logo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's an absolute. Arm yourself truth. with information. Well, you know, Mr. Banks, let me ask you this. You know. Today, uh, so many children, they can get drugs in so many different ways. They can get them in pill forms. They can get them, I mean, they can get them in in ways that, you know, when we were growing up, we never uh, imagined anything like the kids are faced with today. You know, how can a parent you know, figure out at some point or know what are some of the, um, I guess, uh, pointers that, that, that your child may be, taking drugs or your fiance or your husband or your wife maybe just starting to take drugs and you not know it. What what are what are some of the warnings or the signs of it? Well I mean I think a very a very obvious sign is, is just a change in character. You know, when a when a person gets completely out of their character, I mean the first time that you say, you know, they've been acting kind of strange lately. I mean at that point you don't need to dismiss it as maybe there's a problem at school. You need to sit down and talk to them. You know, and that can go whether it's a youth or whether it's an adult, you know, um, because when a person, person's character, which is usually if you've spent time around them and usually with the kid it's so, um, you know over a period of, of five years uh, uh, or, or three years a teenage kid's been pretty consistent and all of a sudden they take a left turn, um, you know, and, and it's one thing to stand around the corner saying, you know, look like they're turning left now. I need to go and peep around there to the left myself and see what's going on, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And what, that's one of the things I'm saying, you know, you have a child who perhaps always had their room open, and now they want to, you know, lock their door. Not only that, they want to try to put a lock on their door. I mean, and, and it's okay because, you know, you say, well, I know you're getting big now and you want your privacy. No, no, I need to ask some other questions. Yes. You know, um, you, you you've been able to be in this house freely all this time, I mean, and, uh, there's been no problem with us going back and forth, and you know, and, and and most times, anyways, with teenage kids, I mean, you still do their clothing, you still wash and dry their clothes and fold their clothes. So now you sit in the basket outside the door. You need to ask, why do I have to? <laughs> you know, there's got to be something going in that room. But I think um, definitely a change um, in demeanor in a child. You know, and 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 a very clear sign too that I think that. Um, uh, it's just so easy to recognize, man, that I think we, we people will be right around you every day and you'll, you'll see it and not even pay attention. But there's no way that, especially dealing with uh, cocaine, marijuana, that the eyes are a dead giveaway. I mean, I can be walking in, 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 in a Walmart store somewhere or something and, and walk by a kid and clearly I know he's been smoking weed. I, and I wouldn't care what he had to say. I can tell him he's been smoking it. You know, I mean, it's a clear sign. And also just smells. It's just the basic stuff. I mean, you know, you're smelling a smell that you've never smelled before. And every time the kid walks by you, now you're smelling, you know, a whole lot of cologne (laughs) on top of some other smell. You need to check that out. And, you know, he's probably hiding the smell of marijuana, the odor of marijuana under the cologne. But the the smell of marijuana is still there. You know, um, I I, I wouldn't hesitate to... If I thought my child was smoking marijuana, I wouldn't hesitate to, on a surprise when I think he has, to grab his hand and put it up to my nose and smell it. Because, you know what I mean, that, that's, that, that'd be a complete shock to him, and I know he's had to have it in his hand, and he ain't thought about washing his hand. Or, and you can't get it off that easy anyway. Yeah, but it's, it's just, you, you know what I mean? Wow. It, it's, it's just some, some, some very basic things. Mm. You know, that you, that you can do. I, and I, I think, you know, a lot of times it... We can make it a little deeper than it has to be, but we start. It's, it's like your car. If it goes down, check the basic stuff first before you call a mechanic and say overhaul my motor. Right. You know what I mean. And I think it's the same thing with the, with the kids. I mean, we we have to take the basic stuff, and most of the basics start in our house. Mm. You know, what if my house is changing? If my if my child, and for instance, the kid with my son. I mean, his mother was so shocked when they call her and put her child's name together with a knife. I mean, it, she said, that just did not make sense to me, my child and a knife, because she knows what she's put in that boy, you know? 
Right. And it wasn't a knife. <laughs> right. You know, and, and so he's he's just taking it upon himself. But I think clearly if um you know, she's in she was in school and, and some other things going on and, and working in school so obviously she all of a sudden was out of the house more so he's got more time in the house now, um, which means he's probably succumbing to peer pressure more, um, because mom's absent and dad's not there, you know. So he's doing some things around there. But I, I think clearly checking your house and and uh, your child's room and having that access, uh, you know, my children know I have that access until they leave. I mean, that's, that's just the way that is. I mean, it, it's not going to be uh, any deadbolt locks and padlocks and all that on no, no doors in my house. I mean, uh, Mama raised us that way, and it was a good way to go, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it, yes, it kept, I agree. It, it definitely kept you out of trouble, didn't it? Yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. And we have on with us Anthony Banks. You know, Mr. Banks, I was just uh, reading some of the email that's been coming in, and one of the e- one of the people who emailed me said, there are no private rooms in my home. And she said that her daughter gets mad when I go through her thing. Hmm. It is important to know what's going on. You know, and that's just so important. And, and we, you know, we usually get upset and get mad and, you know, why are you going through my stuff? And, you know, why are you, why are you invading my privacy, <laughs> you know? And it's just very important that you do go through your kids' stuff. Sure. You know, I mean, I have small children, and I go through their stuff, and they understand that I'm going to go through their stuff. And I started it at such a young age with let me see what's going on, let me look at this, let me look at that that they already understand that that's what's going to happen. And even now, you know, I have 10-year-old twins, and sometimes they'll say, that's mine. And I said, okay, fine, let me see what it is. You know, and so now they'll even bring it to me, <laughs> you know, because I've, I've developed that understanding with them, and they know daddy wants to look at what you have. Sure, and I mean, I understand that. And I, and I think another another thing, too, for sure, is, I mean, if you're coming up with items that are missing uh, from the home, you know, and and and, you, and and things continue to be missing. I mean, I and I remember, you know, when I was a kid, you know, we we take little change and here and there that mom had sitting around, and uh, you know, and and then when I when I got out there and started messing around with drugs, you know, um, I was too afraid to come in and just take money from her because you know if she found out, then you know there, there'd be some problems. <laughs> but but you know, I would I would make up these fantastic stories. You know what I mean, and 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 uh, you know, and 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 they became more fantastic as I realized she'd give me ten dollars here, twenty dollars there. You know what I mean, and 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 if a kid who uh, has just been living at a at a normal standard in the house, um, all of a sudden um, is asking for monies on a, on a on a more regular basis, then there's a instead of just giving the child that money, I think there's a need to stop and to ask why all of a sudden are you needing all this money. You know, I take care of you. Don't pay rent. You know what I mean, and which is key. Uh, you don't you don't pay you know for transportation. Um, why are you needing all this money? Because a lot of times parents, uh, you know, will give it. Oh, there's, there's ten dollars in there. Just take it with you. And we don't ask the kid what are you doing. And he's going out with five or six other kids. Uh, they could be going to purchase marijuana. You know what I mean. And it's just good to know, uh, or or to it's too late to look back and say you know I should have asked what was going on, because by then usually they're in trouble, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, if we can get them in on the, on the front end, I think, you know, we'll, we'll help to save our kids, and, and, and not just our kids, but our, our household too, because, you know, the absence of our children is like the absence of a father, you know. Uh, when, when children belong to a house, I believe they need to be in that house and not in, not in jail, not in juvenile, not, you know, teenagers being trained as adults. Uh, you know, I, I think that we're, we're losing them. And some of it has to do with us just being silent in yeah. some places where we could, uh, you know, make a little noise. Yes. You know, and, and I believe in making the noise to, uh, you know, to, to, to in, in my house with my with mine. Yes. Mr. Banks, you said when you were younger you, you played around with, with drugs, I believe. Am I right? Sure. Yeah. Did you ever, had, uh, did you ever have any brushes with um, drugs as far as seeing some of your peers die or you um, having a bad reaction or just a, a bad trip with the drugs? Did you ever have a bad experience with it? Well, sure, because, you know, the, the tendency the tendency is to think that, 
you know, when you get high, the next time you get high, you're just getting back high like you did the first time. But you'll never get as high as you did the first time. Right. You know what I mean? And, I, and I have, I've seen people um, uh, overdose with, with needles, you know, jacked in their arms, just hanging there in their arms, you know. And, and uh, you know, I, I've seen people uh, suffer uh, uh, cardiac failure, you know, from, from smoking drugs. You know, and I mean, I, I've been around that, and, and my own experiences. I've I've had experiences uh, uh, right here in the city of Atlanta uh, when I was out there just doing my thing and, and crazy with it, just riding along on the highway and begin to have heart palpitations and you know throw all the drugs out and and say I'm done and you know and and then things seem to get normal and you go back and get some more. And it's almost an insanity that you live. Uh, your body, um, your body talks to you. <laughs> And especially when you put stuff in it that um, isn't prescribed, right. you know. And but the tendency is to think that I'm going to get as high as I did the first time. And and as your body begins to get used to whatever it is you're dealing with, it requires more, you know. And that's that that's the deception, I think that that comes into play is that your body knows that it's going to take more than you did the first time, you know. You're not just smoking a joint now. Uh, now you went from a joint to a blunt. You know, and now you want to put a little something in that blunt to get a little higher, and before you know it, then you're smoking crack. Wow. You know, and I've been through through that whole line, um, and, and and really, you know, for a period of time was uh, actually in, in living in South Carolina, um, actually homeless uh, after having gone through a marriage, managing a toy store. You know, at, at a mall in South Carolina, uh, ran into some guys and and just started. Uh, hanging out with these guys and and uh, you know smoking weed and and uh, snorting cocaine and and and, and, and lost everything, man. Lost my uh, entire family uh, job, uh, which was a great potential career with this company I was with, um, for the sake of uh, drugs, you know. And it, and it's hard to 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 try to backtrack, you know, and and recover the things that it can uh, snatch away from you, man. Um, so, so I've, I've I've lived through that, and 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 there is no, there is no. Um, uh, people tend to think I think uh, you know when you're getting high, you think that, uh, you know, you can just do it forever. It is not something you can do forever. Eventually, it'll kill you. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's just the the end of the road is just death with it, and uh, it it just fools you because it does. Uh, one of the things I, I I don't tell people that, you know, uh, necessarily that it is going that stuff doesn't isn't going to do anything for you because that's a lie, you know. I, I think when I've gotten, when I was getting high, when the, some preacher or something would come to me and say, you know, um, boy, that stuff ain't going to do nothing for you, and then I'd smoke and I'd be like, well, gee, I feel better. But, but you know, it, it's a reality that it'll kill you. <laughs> Nobody can deny that. Mm-hmm. Um, it just takes continual use of it, and I think that, you know, our, our youth have to understand clearly, man, and, and even the parents need to understand that to, to let your child, because I know parents that allow their children to have casual use, you know, of drugs. And, and I say I know they allow them because they're, they'll come in the house with it and the parents know it, you know. And, and that just shouldn't be acceptable, man. Um, uh, and, and it tells the kid also that the parent has their thing that they're doing, and that's partly, partly why the parents don't say anything to the kid because they have something they do. Right, right, you know, but and and they and they make the kid feel like, well, this is okay because if you say something to me, then I'm gonna say something, you know, about what you're doing, and this is a child in your house, you know what I mean? Feeling like he's now on the same level as the parent because of the parent's acceptance, you know, of uh, of of the uh, marijuana and and you know, cigarettes the same thing, man. I smoked for 27 years, um, cigarettes, man, and. Uh, I it, I tell people it's the start of drugs. Mm-hmm. It's the thing that most people that smoke marijuana, they started out smoking cigarettes, whether they smoked a long time or they just tampered with it. That's where they started. And most people that try to stop, they always tend to be able to stop the drugs, but for some reason the cigarette wants to hang around. And I tell them that's just kind of crazy to think you can stop a greater thing and still hang on to the trigger. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because that that tobacco is a definite trigger, man, and and uh, it'll lead your youth, it'll lead your child into the next level. It's the device that's used to get them to the next level, uh, which would be marijuana. And before you know it, believe me, they'll be smoking the blunts and and the crack. You know, 
Mm. Um, I mean, I'm, that's, I can tell you that's a guaranteed course uh, to get them there. You know, I encourage parents to um, talk, to, you know, to talk to their children, man, about that. Uh, nicotine is is just as bad as any other drug. It's just that it's, you know, it, it goes through a tax phase, and so there's money paid on it. Yes. You know, yes. Um, but it's just as bad as any of that other stuff that's out there, and it shouldn't be tolerated um, in a, in a household any more than you would uh, a joint of marijuana, because you might as well let that in if you're gonna let a cigarette in. That's right. You know, you you said something that that, that just made me think. You were saying that you 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 know once you start doing something small, you want to get a little higher. You want to try something a little stronger. You want to graduate and get to this next level. And once you get to this next level, there is a uh, thing called uh, addiction. And you know that that must that must be. I've never done drugs before, but that must be one bad feeling knowing that you're hooked on something that that's destroying your body. That you know your family does not like, that that had to be a, a a horrible horrible feeling, you know, not being able to shake it right away and to lose things and to see your loved ones watch you just go downhill and you have to tell a lie to tell a lie to cover another lie. What what was that like for you? Well, I mean, the the the, re, the reality of it is that it is a terrible thing. I mean, it, it's an awful thing what you take people through. You know, the sad thing about it is, man, is that as long as you're getting high, you don't feel that way, though. See, that's that's the, you know, that's the deception of it is that as long as, you know, when when I, I've watched, you know, not only my own life, but all the, the, the brothers, the young men that I've counseled, uh, you know, at Teen Challenge, man, I've, I've watched them come in and, and uh, you know, they're, they're now not getting high because we don't, there's no cigarette smoking or any of that in that in that program, and so... They're no longer putting anything in their body that can affect them negatively. And so, therefore, all of a sudden, reality hits. Mm -hmm. You know, and now the thing that you said just then, now they're feeling the impact yeah. of what it has had on, to, you know, on their family. And, you know, and, and, and I think, you know, for, for, for people that, that, that use, I mean, you need to take a reality break. And 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 stop whatever it is that you're that you're doing or putting into your body, and take a look at the people around you, because if if you stop what you're doing and take a look at the people around you, you'll really see uh, who's really getting hurt in this situation. It, it isn't so much uh, just the individual, you know, who's who's getting high, but 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 no doubt in 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 my my family, man, uh, there was definitely an effect. And you know, you make yourself out to be the black sheep of the family, but. It's usually just you calling yourself that. Nobody in the family really thinks about you that way, uh, but you feel so outside of everything, you know, that mm -hmm. you just start donning yourself the, you know, I'm the black sheep of the family, and nobody treats me right. Well, who can trust you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Who's going to leave you at their house while they're out of town or lend you their car, you know, um, because you, you begin to have a track record. and But you, you affect everybody, man. Um, there's nobody um, who is addicted uh, who is not affecting their families, and anybody who thinks that they are is fooling themselves. You know, it's, it's impossible not to affect the people who are connected to you, whether that's, you know, mother, father, husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend. Um, you know, you, you're, you're affecting, um, you know, people. Uh, that's what addiction does. Hmm. Yes, you know, you were talking about earlier about when someone's using drugs and, uh, they can't keep using it. And and it made me think about an uncle of mine who had used drugs for years. And he eventually uh, developed heart, you know, he, his heart started going, his heart started getting weak. Yeah. And he wouldn't stop using. And one morning they found him at his job laid out on a table where he had had a heart attack. Mm. He'd had a massive heart attack. Because, you know, he was still using, and his heart just gave out. Sure, and I, and I think, you know, uh, one of the things for sure, man, is that um, I think if, if um, you know, as long as a person, you know, I, I, I try to, when I, when I do some, some teachings on this, um, I have to deal with the reality uh, of, of the medical side of the thing. You know, medically speaking, Medically speaking, if an individual is using cocaine, uh, it, it there isn't. I can't do a sort of a spiritual 
poof on them and make it all go away because the reality is that it is in their blood. Mm-hmm. You know, and because, it, you know, I tell people all the time, when I came off uh, of, of the crack use, my I would have twitches in my muscles. I could be sitting somewhere and my arm would start just jumping because my body was trying to say, hey, you know what, we need what you've been giving us. <laughs> and you, you're not just going to cut us off like this without getting some reaction. And so, you know, you, you, you have that. But the reality is that it does get in your blood, man. And there are some people, you know, I think, I really thank God for the, uh, you know, for the, the programs that are that are around, man, because I tell you what, um, there are some people who need programs in order to assist them to get off of, of uh, you know, drugs when they've gotten too far out there. You know, heroin users, for instance, you know, uh, you know, they may need some assistance, man, in stepping down uh, out of the thing. You know, it's just the nature of the drug itself uh, that may, that may make that necessary um, for them. You know, and uh, uh, you know for sure. My, myself, when I when I got to the point where I was really um, sick and tired, man, of of just the use, I was living downtown on Peachtree Street there, and and uh, I lived in a high rise down there, and so I. I was up in a window, uh, sitting, you know, just up in the window on the inside, looking out, uh, considering suicide, man, you know. And uh, it wasn't that things in my life were just so wrecked. It was just I was really tired of being in the condition that I was in, you know. And, and I, I, I called my mom. You know, my mom passed two years ago, but I, I called her, and, you know, mom's a real classic. You know, she said, you know, she just said to me, fool, she said, you know, she said, the devil's really tricking you out of your life, you know. And, and just her words, you know, began to really sound in my ear over and over again that I was being tricked, you know, out of my life. And I think any addiction, that's what it is. It's simply an attempt and a trick, man, to get you out of your full potential. Mm. You know, I mean, you, it's, it's like you, everybody, I believe that everybody has uh, um, uh, 100% capacity. To function, man, and and I think that when you when you put things in, you lessen that capacity, you know, to function. You know, you have an a, an addition to give to this globe, you know. Uh, but 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 the world may never see it, you know. And I heard a, a guy, Miles Monroe, uh, he was talking about purpose, you know, and he said the richest place in the in the in the world is the cemetery. Mm-hmm. You know, he said if we could just mine the cemetery, we'd have a cure for AIDS. We'd have a cure for the common cold. He said somebody had that in them, but they're in the cemetery. You know, they didn't get a chance to give that 100% capacity to the earth. You know, and it's so important, man. We don't, we don't know, um, you know, uh, where, you know, Tchaikovsky and Beethoven, you know, we don't know where that music would have come from if those guys had got addicted. You know what I mean? And didn't give us that stuff. You know, the 16th chapel, we don't know you know, where that, where that artwork would have come from, you know. If, if, and so I believe that everybody has as much potential as anyone that's walked on the earth, man. It's just a matter of not adding things to your life uh, that take away from your potential. Mm. Right, right. You've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, and we're on with Mr. Banks. Ha-ha. <laughs> you know, uh, Anthony, I, I, I'm trying to formulate this question that I have and it's just so it's hard to kind of put into words why do you think drugs are so well I don't even know how to ask it not necessarily why are they so addictive why do we why do we get addicted to them well I, I don't think that's I mean I don't think that's a hard question I mean that's I mean if I if I be real and I love to be that way um, I think people get addicted to drugs because drugs make them feel good. I mean, that's just about. I, I don't think you know. If, if I if I did drugs and it didn't make me feel good, I wouldn't have done them. You understand? Mm-hmm. But but what we don't understand there is a there is a medical use for most of what we use. You know, um, uh, you know they, they 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 call us they call it being um, uh, a drug addict uh, when you use something irregularly. You know, I mean, there is a medical prescription that can be given to you. For instance, if they, you know, if you're going to pull your teeth, they shoot a derivative of cocaine in your mouth. Mm-hmm. But it's a prescribed amount. You know what I mean? 
and, and because we don't understand that, I mean, we, we, I mean, that's why they call it abuse. You know, it's abnormal use. It's just two words, you know what I mean? So when a person abnormally uses a drug, well, they're going to get a different result than a person that uses it under a prescribed amount. But we don't, when, when you're out there just doing your thing, you're not, you know, there's no doctor in the room. Everybody's just got a bag, and you just get taken out of the bag. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's easy. I mean, and, 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 and the reality is, you know, when, when you take more of something than you're supposed to take or an unprescribed amount of it, that's more than a normal prescription would be, your, your body is going to be, you know, feel different. You know, and, and usually, um, you know, uh, that's going to be an up feeling. You know what I mean, and and so uh, you know I think that and, and people go into it. I think that my 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 uh, short long answer would be is that um, because we take something out of an unprescribed uh, uh, amount into our bodies, which are designed to take whatever it is we take in, and now it it, it takes it in, absorbs it, and says, you know what, uh, this is supposed to do a certain thing, but I'm going to make you feel good about what you just took. And we just take it in excess. So I think that feeling, man, um, I mean, that's just, uh, that, that's released in your body is what grabs you. But, you know, my point was back to the first thing. I mean, we, you'll, you'll never get as high as you do the first time. It, it, it's impossible. But, but that's what every addict tries to achieve every time they get high. They're trying to get that first euphoria, that first feeling back again. And that's what keeps you out there on it. You're seeking... You know, I, I, I remember a guy telling me one time when I was out there, he said, man, he said, I just want to get that first blast that I had. You know, and, and, and here's the bottom line. He'll never get it. You know, but he, it's like chasing a pipe dream. I mean, you're not going to get that feeling back. And um, that's part of the insanity uh, of addiction. You know, it's, it's they say doing the same thing and expecting different results. Well, you know, it's just not going to happen. You know, because uh, if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to get the same results. You have to do something different. And, and in my life, you know, I, I, I had to do something a little different than I was doing. I had to start thinking differently. I had to start believing differently. And I had to get from around people who were thinking contrary to where I was trying to go. You know, and, and it's, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult sometimes. Uh, uh, I understand depending on the environment a person is living in, but... You know, you you do all you can do to uh, you know get to a place of change uh, because you you're only gonna change if you change. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's the test for change. That's right. Is whether or not you you are, are willing to do it, um, and not not to be led you know not to be led into uh, or coerced into something by people. But I tell my son all the time. I said, listen, you set the standard, man. If people don't want to follow you, you set the standard. It, don't think that you've got to follow some standard that's been set that isn't leading into the right thing. You know, and I think it's a challenge in our society to do that, to step out and set a standard. And, and if people don't follow you, keep walking that way until they decide to. If they don't, but to just keep on walking anyways because you've decided that this is the right thing to do for my life. You know, and, and I think that's, uh, you know, uh, where, where we have to go. But... Um, but people get addicted, man, because, I mean, the bottom line is that, you know, drugs abnormally used are going to give you a euphoria, uh, but it's a deception. Um, it's, it's not something that you can do every day for the rest of your life. It's a deception. Yes. Yes. I have another email from one of our listeners, and this email comes from a single parent, and she says, what do you do when your child talks about selling drugs, you know, but doesn't know the first thing about it? That being a single parent is hard, and they don't want to listen to you. Then what do you do when you have a family member that is on drugs, and how do you approach them with it? Well, I think you know a family member that's on drugs. I, I, I'll just say to that one: that's that's a. If you don't know anything about them, then you need to find somebody that does. <laughs> you know, and and if you look around in your family deep enough, you'll find somebody that has either been out there with it before and is off, or somebody who knows somebody. Um, who's been out there, who can talk to the individual. I, I do a thing on, on Tuesday nights here um, in Atlanta uh, called the Cave Call where we uh, have guys just come in and, and young ladies come as well sometimes. And we just sit around and keep it real, man. And, and a sister came uh, a couple of weeks ago, and she was saying that very thing. Her brother, you know, was on drugs, and, you know, what do I do? And she's had some experience, you know, with it. I said, well, you know, you got to go talk to him. Um, sometimes uh, people are afraid to 
uh, they think it'll be a confronting thing. And, and I'll tell you absolutely the truth. When you confront somebody that's on drugs and you're related to them, uh, they are going to deny it unless you have absolute proof that they're using. You know, I mean, they're, they're at, they will lie to you. They will deceive you. Uh, they will tell you absolutely they're not. But, they're, but you have to look for the, the, the things, as I was saying earlier, that have changed and bring those issues up. You know, you, you've been around me for 10 years, 15 years. You've never been this way. And now all of a sudden I just noticed that, you know, this particular thing has changed about you. You know, explain that to me. You know, or you're hanging with these certain people who you never hung with before, you know, and, and now all of a sudden every Friday, you know, you're gone. You're, you're with them, and then you come home and you got to borrow, you know, bus fare for me. It sounds like I'm talking from experience, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, because I've had it in my family, man, and not just myself, but, you know, others in my family. So um, you just have to be real with them, uh, um it, there's, there's no, there should be, it should be no, and I'm not going to say it shouldn't be any, but there may be fear, but if you don't confront them, you've got to ask yourself the question, who else will? You know, this is somebody who, who you love, who you care about. You know, they, they've been positioned around you for you to speak into their life. You know what I mean? And, and, and I believe that when, that's, when that kind of type of a divine placing happens, uh, that you have to be the one who is the voice, you know, um, on the other hand, I mean, you've got a kid who's uh, sitting around and, and talking about selling drugs. I mean, you got to ask the kid why. <laughs> you know, why would he want to? Nine times out of ten, he's going to talk about flash and these different things that people have, what, it, what drugs will get for you. And then I think it's real easy to show them uh, where the, the final result is after you've gotten that stuff. Uh, there's a show that comes on, American Gangster. You know, the first few times I saw the show, I said, man, you know, they're showing all this glory and all this stuff of these cats out here. And, 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 but at the end of each one of them, those guys always say it wasn't worth it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes <laughs> you just have to pull up stuff like that, you know, get it from the, from the, the, the blockbusters or wherever it's at, sit your kid down. They're going to they gonna feel it because they're going to say, hey, this guy's a gangster and this is what I'm talking about being. But at the end, this guy's going to say it ain't worth it. You understand? The kid won't even know that. You know what I mean? And, and uh, I have a friend that has several of them on a DVD, and he shows it to uh, guys who are dealers here in the city. That's a part of what he does, uh, part of his his ministries that he does. And he just pulls them in his barbershop and drops them on the DVD player. And, uh, of course, they go into it with the glory because they think it's going to be uh, this fantastic thing. But it always ends up being negative, man. Um, I've, I've tried, you know, selling drugs, and I've sold drugs, and... It's always a negative. You've always got to look over your shoulder. You know, and that's, that's information that we have to tell the youth. If they're talking about it, then we can't uh, be afraid to talk about it with them. And if we can't, we have to find somebody who can. And there are people all around you. You know, you, you just have to ask. Yeah, yeah. I had something really quick. I want, you to, I want to get your information before we run out of time. But I got another email that says, Say you can't sleep at night and you take a pain pill when there is no pain. Does that mean you're addicted? It could. <laughs> I mean, it could. If you're, if you're just taking a pain pill, I mean, that's, that's abnormal use of the pill. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, if it's abnormal use, it's called abuse. You know, so it, it very well could be. And, you know, and that's another place also, since that's mentioned, I mean, that's another place where... A lot of kids start using drugs because uh, mom and dad got old pain pills uh, in the bathroom. You know what I mean? Um, and, 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 and not only that, I mean, kids will go over to other kids' houses and go in uh, knowing that their parents have certain things going on with them, and they'll go through the medicine cabinet. Um, you have to pull all that stuff out. But, I mean, if a person is taking uh, pain pills, um, you know, outside of the normal use, then that is abuse. That's called drug abuse, no matter how you look at it. And, um, you know, I would, I would seek, you know, at least pursue uh, some help, uh, starting with the doctor, because um, perhaps the issue that you have, you, you, you may have a legitimate thing going on where you need to have some medication, but clearly the pain pill uh, isn't the one. Right. You know, I mean, we've got about 30 seconds. Quickly, okay. give us your information. On how to get in contact with you. Okay, yeah, they, I, I can be reached um, by email um, at uh, uh, Changed for Life Outreach uh, 
International. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Change for Life Outreach at MSN.com. Okay. And, um, you know, I, I have uh, also my MySpace page um, is uh, www.myspace.com forward slash um, Apostle B, Apostle Banks, I'm sorry. Okay, all right, all right. It meets me that way. Mr. Banks, we thank you for coming on, and we definitely enjoyed you. We will have you back real soon. Oh, real yeah. Soon. All, all right, right gentlemen, both of you guys, man, uh, Greg and Brian, I appreciate you, man. Thank you hey, so much. Um, glad to be on, man. It's an honor. Thank you. That being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you, and we hope you tune in next time for our show. Thank you, and good evening.